Well, hello and welcome to Westside Unscripted. This is the podcast where pastors loosen their ties, throw away their notes, and answer questions about all things theology and culture. I am Josh Bartels, the assistant to the pastors here at Westside, and I am joined as usual by uh, Pastor Peter Montoro, our preaching pastor here. And uh, so we're going to jump right in with uh, with some conversation before we get to the actual question. So, Peter, what uh, what interesting stuff have you been reading or thinking about lately that... Uh, yeah, well, I'm always always reading about something. But the thing I wanted to share this week um, is something about family devotion, something I tried for the first time this past year that worked really well for us, and I just wanted to pass it along as an idea. Uh, so we'd read through the New Testament as a family. I read through the book of Psalms and Proverbs and, and various things that we tried along the way. But this past year... Uh, we started reading through the Old Testament, and we made it through most of the Pentateuch. We still have a few chapters to go, but uh, one of the things about reading through the Pentateuch is you have a lot of sections. That's the first five books of, of Moses, so you know Genesis is pretty straightforward, but then you get into Leviticus, and then you get into Numbers, and you know Numbers chapter 7 is the most epically repetitious chapter in all of Scripture. But one of the things I started doing is doing basically a fill-in-the-blank, which you know, fill in the blank is either, you know, really advanced Bible knowledge or really kind of boring um, when you're reading a story. When you're reading a story, there's something else that's interesting. But if you have a section that's structured really repetitiously where you have a lot of phrases like the Lord, your God, fill in the blank or something like that, or there, you know, says flocks and herds over and over again, or even some other things that are a little bit less straightforward, and um, you, but it's but it's, it's it's sort of like a formulaic. And when you have formulaic language, if you're paying attention, then you can pretty easily pick up on what should you know fill you know. So Moses and Aaron, or the people of Israel, or I rescued you from the land of Egypt, or whatever that would be. Um, and once you've been you know going through a few chapters, you can pick up on that. And so we did that um, you know wherever we could going through it, and the kids it loved it, and like really paid attention and like had so much fun. Like actually Numbers chapter seven was one of the most enjoyable for the children of any Bible reading because it was so like repetitious that they were able to fill in more and more. I did more and more blanks as we got to the end of it. So they were doing, you know, the majority, almost the majority of the words they were filling in. Um, it was just a lot of fun. We're still, I mean, we're still doing it where it's appropriate. Deuteronomy has some story and we're, we're finishing Deuteronomy now. Um, but some of those sections that are harder to get into are easier to do that. So it sort of has that counter, you know, counterbalance in that way that it has really worked well. And I had never done that before. And, and we've been doing that. And I thought, you know, if anyone else has aspirations to read through the Old Testament, that could be a, a tool in the arsenal to help yeah. you get through it. Yeah, especially when uh, the, the narratives seem to be easier to read. But then when you get into the more formulaic uh laws or things like that, then it can become more difficult. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah, for yeah, those formulaic and, and repetitious portions that are otherwise harder to get into, that can be a way. Um, and they've learned a lot just about that, like the language, the vocabulary, and you get to talk about why is this a pattern, you know, how the animals are divided up into flocks and herds and what fits in those different categories and all that kind of, you know, all those sorts of things. There's been a lot of interesting conversation about it. Yeah. And then as you read, and there are questions about it, then you can send those questions into the West Side Unscripted exactly. podcast. <laughs> so keep that in mind in your family devotions. And uh, maybe your kid's question could be featured it's on true. the uh, podcast here. Yeah, so, we, could, we could do that. Yeah, speaking of questions, here is our question for this week. So it has to do with our sanctification and, and uh, mortification of sin. So 
If we confess and repent of a particular sin, but then we find ourselves committing that sin repeatedly due to it having become a habit, uh, what should we do? How should we wrestle with that? Is this a sign that we really didn't repent? And are we presuming on God's grace by sinning repeatedly in this area? What, what do, how do we wrestle with those sins that became a habit that then we've become aware of and are now trying to wrestle to kill? Yeah, that's, that is a, <laughs> that is a good question. Um, and it's, it's not the, uh, because, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a challenge because then some of the, the action, the sin that has become a part of our life then that is habitual, uh, is that a sign of unrepentance when the habit continues or is it, uh, how, how should we wrestle with dealing yeah. with sins? Well, like I think, that? you know, John Owen, John Owens wrote the classic book, the mortification of sin. And one of the things that he says is be killing sin or it'll be killing you. And one of the things that, you know, obviously John Owens, just a human, a human, a human writer, uh, but Jesus talked about taking radical action to deal with sin. So, you know, if you struggle with lust, not that you would actually pull your eyes out, but you would take action that is that radical to get to the root, to get to the root of it. Um, that it's better to be, you know, better to enter into heaven, uh, better to enter into the kingdom, you know, maimed or halt, you know, with, with one eye or with one leg or with one arm, you know, than, um, than to enter with two, you know, be cast into hellfire. Whole. And uh, then the writer to the Hebrews talks about, you've not re- yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And so this is one of the ideas, like one of the challenges is, you know, the old, the old ad, I, I read this in, in a book I was uh, reading earlier today that, um, you know, the old Adam is a good sinner, a good swimmer. He's a good sinner too, but he's a good swimmer um, in that, you know, you put him under the water in, in this picture of, of dying uh, with Christ in the waters of, of, of baptism and, 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 and our immersion into Christ, right? You put the old man to death. But he keeps coming back. And my dad always used to say, it's worse than the worst horror movie that, that Hollywood can come up with because that old man just keeps coming back every day. And you can't kill him enough times. Um, and uh, that, <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that too. But I think all of these things sort of circle around the same point, And that is to tell if someone is truly repenting, my first question is going to be, what are you doing to change? Mm-hmm. Like, if you have an ingrained sin habit, it depends on what the habit is. Like if your habit is, you know, murder for hire, um, <laughs> then <laughs> the repetition of the sin would be, um, <laughs> that's, uh, all sin is serious, but you know, if, if you just have a bad habit of, you know, committing adultery or murdering, um, then <laughs> my cause for concern would be a lot greater. Um, but especially, you know, sins that are very much habitual ingrained patterns, like say struggling with anger, or struggling with lust, or or struggling with covetousness, those are the sorts of sins that it took you a long time to fall into habits that go that deep. It wasn't just one pornographic image, and then you're a total addict to it, right? right. There's a pattern yeah. of repetition that's ingrained these neural pathways to be attracted to that, um, and it's going to take a pattern of struggle and undoing that and putting positive things in its place is going to help bring full deliverance. Um, so, you know, so for instance, that's, you know, that's a common one that, that a lot of people would struggle with, especially men and some women as well. So I'd be asking someone, um, so what changes are you making in your life? So if someone's unwilling to make any positive change in their life, they're just, I just struggle with this and they do the same things. They, 
you know, you would try to help them identify what are stumbling blocks that are causing you to stumble and they're not willing to make changes there. And they, they say they're struggling, but what they really are doing is just continuing the same pattern without any substantive change. Then I'd be really concerned. I would say to them, I don't really see any evidence of repentance. You know, but if you have someone, maybe they're struggling with, with anger and they're still struggle, but you see substantive humility and repentance and doing what they can do to undo the fruits of what they've, what they've done. And you see real progress, you know, in, and then and I'm saying, you know, well, you know, I see progress in your life. Like I see you striving to, um, you know, to identify what's triggering this and to get that out of your life or to change it. And, and that's, you know, the same thing with any of, with any of these issues is that the heart of, one of the one of the phrases I, I, I this isn't original to me, but I can't remember where I first heard it. You know that Christians can fall into sin, but Christians can't be happy in sin. You know, so you can put you know a Christian can fall into the pig pen, but a Christian can't be satisfied being a pig. You know, wallowing in the mud. Mm-hmm. That you're going to feel. You know, if the pig doesn't feel dirty. You will, and if you don't, I'm really concerned at that. You know that that would be where I would be really, you know, or, you know, where there's just not a desire, no effort being made to get out. You know, not that there's, the just man falleth seven times and riseth yet again. And uh, in the book of Proverbs, it says that. And when you just have a continual pattern without any change in that pattern, that's when I would start to be really concerned. Yeah. And it seems that, it seems to me that we can sometimes want to spiritualize the response to sin in a way that we see the spiritual struggle, right? Like that this is something that's that's bigger than just me and physical desires. But then the way that we address that, we, we know that we're supposed to confess it, we're supposed to forsake it, uh, take it to God. But then the actual struggle of dealing with the sin is actually pretty mundane. Like it's yep. not... Repent, yeah, exactly. Repentance is very... Uh, ordinary <laughs> like and it's in its outworking in the same way that you would try to undo a habit of bad eating that you're trying to be more healthy the kind of practical down-to-earth type decisions that you have to make in order to lose weight are the same types of decisions that you have to make in order to pursue holiness on a exactly basis. it's really it's really practical and, and it's that as you'd expect because god god created this world so if we're called to follow him in this world then there's going to be an it's going to have to work itself out in our everyday lives. Um, we all wish it was just a pray and I confess and I realize that this is a sin. And because I have seen the fact that it's a sin, well, now suddenly it is magically its power over right, exactly. magically disappeared. And, and that's where that's the sort of situation that I'm really concerned about in situations that I you know have or would speak strongly into is where someone is talking all the spiritual talk, but there's no feet to it. You know, that's what James, you know, you have faith, but how is your faith manifesting itself? It's the kind of faith that delivers is faith that manifests itself in in impractical transformations. It's living faith. And so if I see someone who's not putting feet to their faith, then I'm concerned about, you know, that's a different kind of faith than the kind of faith scripture speaks about. Does that, is that what Paul is after when he talks about a godly sorrow leading to repentance? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Where where instead of a sorrow that is a show of spiritual bravado or something that the godly sorrow is a sorrow that actually leads to a down to earth mundane ordinary change in right. your life to 
to actually deal with. Yeah, and I mean, one really practical test, you know, something that is people want to repent in ways that make them look good. But if you're actually repenting for sin, it ought to make you look bad. Yeah, that's true. So if you're constantly repenting of all of this sin, but you're always doing it in a way that makes you appear more spiritual than the people you're repenting to, that in itself is a red flag. (laughs) It's a major red flag that, you know, being willing to reveal your sin to others and the pettiness and ugliness of it. You know, that's been the case in my life when I've needed to repent of something, being willing to say, now there's nothing grand and glorious. There's no excuses for this. I did something that was wrong for the wrong reason. Right. <laughs> um, yep. And I need to make that right. Yeah. And, and it doesn't feel good in the moment. Like it feels horrible, but the, uh, the sense of forgiveness and peace that comes as a result of feeling so horrible in, in acting through that is, is so much deeper and real than surprise, surprise than when you are changing in order to look good to other people when you're, when your motives are. Yeah. uh, I mean, so much of it comes down to the attitude that you have and in the heart and the goal, you know, that's the, there's just, there's gotta be, you know, we're in a war against sin. And so, you know, we're not, you know, the practical reality is not all, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, parry every stroke. But we better not put the sword down. Yeah. And that's... And that maybe goes to it. There's another question that was submitted to about what's the goal in our struggle against sin? Is complete... Obviously, we want complete eradication, but it doesn't seem that that's going to happen prior to Christ's return. So, so how do we wrestle with the goal of complete eradication and the reality that that probably won't happen? Yeah, that's a good question, too. You know, the more holy we become, the more unholy we realize we are. So, like, a mark of sanctification, like, obviously, this can be taken to an extreme in a way that's unhealthy, where you can have a conscience that's bound up about things that the Bible doesn't say. But in, in a healthy Christian life, as you make progress, you realize things that you didn't realize were sinful before, you know, so you see the battle, the battleground shifting, you know, whereas before you were like, I've just, I've got a, I'm trying to think of a good example, you know, whereas before you were, you know, you, you were like fighting not to have your temper blow up and to curse or whatever, whatever that might be where you had a violent temper and, and now you don't have a violent temper, but now you realize the anger you have in your heart. God cares about that too. You, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah, and, and like so then you deal with a, maybe like a hot war versus like espionage or something like that. Right. Well, you, you start yeah. getting deeper and you realize that like you're sinful all the way down. Um, but if, if God revealed to us all at once, all the sin in our lives, it would overwhelm us with a sea of, of grief because we can't repent for everything all at once. So just little by little, he shows, changes us and, and we get closer. Um, and it, it's, it's not complete in this life because we are, you know, still, still have the old man, still have a, a sinful nature in this life, but we can get closer and closer. Like a, um, um, there's a mathematical phrase. Do you know what it is? Where it's like, we have like a graph where something gets closer and closer, but never quite reaches it. Um, I, I don't know. There's like a mathematical formulation for like a curve where something gets ever closer to approximating a straight line, 
but it's okay. never quite crosses it. Hmm. And so you see like massive progress right at first in getting close, you know, so it's getting closer right. and closer. Yeah. And then, you know, it continually to infinity gets closer yeah. and closer. And if you were to look at it in the big picture from where you started to where you're at, there's massive progress. Yeah. But if you were to zoom in, you're still making progress just on a smaller scale. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a picture of, uh, you know, uh, there's a book that's on sanctification that's really good called Infinite Journey. And I think that's where he, I think he uses that metaphor because um, he was an engineer. So he has a lot of sort of engineering sort of examples, but I'm not an engineer, so it didn't stick. The picture stuck with me, yeah. but not the, not the mathematical term. Um, but that idea that it's, it's approaching closer and closer. Um, and from the outside, <laughs> it looks astonishingly close compared to where you started with. But from the inside, you still see that you have as much progress, you know, to, you have as far to go as you have, you've already come. Um, so you keep striving. And, you know, Paul, I count not myself to have apprehended, um, I think it's in, in Philippians mm-hmm. where he talks about, I'm, I'm striving. You know, Jesus has a hold of me, <laughs> but yet I'm striving. I don't count that I've arrived, but I'm still striving to get closer. I mean, I think that captures that kind of idea uh, really well. Yeah. And that really is at the heart of that struggle to for sanctification and at the same time seeing that real sanctification has taken place and that ought to encourage us yeah. uh, in our Christian life. Yeah. And, and it's that it's always going to be that tension between remembering that we are righteous in Jesus, that in him we are holy, but that we are growing in holiness at the same time. Right. And that tension is going to be a part of our life where there's that regular <laughs> the, the discouragement that comes from seeing sin, the encouragement that comes from the pronouncement of forgiveness in the gospel and the striving ever, ever more towards Christ. Yeah. And, and I think the, you know, one of the things to watch out for, and this just depends on your temperament and tendencies is the, the spirit is going to lead you to make practical changes that fight against sin. Now the devil is going to tempt you to feel shame and guilt for sins that you've already repented of and already made every practical change you possibly could make that are already dealt with. You know, so the devil isn't going to convict you about sins that you're committing right now. He wants you to feel bound up about sins that have already been dealt with. Um, Now, if you've never dealt with it, then, you know, that could be the spirit of God and you could be, you know, thinking it's the devil when it is God who's trying to get you to deal with something. Um, And if, you know, it's five minutes ago and you lost, if you lost your temper five minutes ago and, uh, you you know, your wife or your husband is is trying to get you to to deal with that, they're not the voice of the devil. (laughs) Um, You know, but if it's 15 years ago and you've repented of it and dealt with it, um, you know, that could could be the devil trying to get a foothold to distract you from dealing with what you actually need to be dealing with right now. And that, that, that can be something that you need to sermon on and different people have tendencies in different ways. Um, and if the devil can't get you coming, he'll try to get you going. And so, and this is the kind of discussion and work that has to happen over the course of a lifetime. Yes. It's not a podcast discussion right. that you get your answer and then you go and everything is peachy. It's the kind of thing that this is just, this is the Christian life. You're going to need a hundred podcasts and week after week of being under the preaching of the word. And week after week, day after day of being under the word yourself, being around people who are also on the same journey that you are, and then just watching the spirit of God work over the course Absolutely. of a lifetime. Absolutely. It's uh, one writer described discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction. And that really, uh, that's such a good, such a good definition. And it's, you know, it's Hebrews. 
strengthen the weak knees, lift up the, 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 the hanging, the hands that are hanging down. We need one another. We can't, I think that's the biggest thing about sanctification is you can't discern it independent of community. You can't demonstrate it independent of community. It's something we do together. Um, we need one another uh, because we can believe ourselves to be far more, you know, if you want to, uh, if you want to, to put your sanctification to the test, you should have some small children because they will reveal to you you are not nearly as patient as you thought that you were, yeah, <laughs> or as pious, sure. or as godly, or anything else. You're like, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they poke holes in one's ego very quickly. And, yes. Uh, make you see who you are. And so. also bring about, hopefully, real change. Yeah. And, you know, because you want to set... It's a powerful motivator if you yeah. want to set a good example to those children. Yeah, that shouldn't be a motivator against having children. <laughs> that should be a motivator, yes, yes, yes. a motivator to these things lead to growth and good change. Right. So don't try to isolate yourself and hide from children or from community. Right. Uh, pursue all that because it's actually the way to a really fulfilled and good life. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. This is not. This is not a discouragement. This is an encouragement. <laughs> yeah. If you want to grow in your sanctification, exactly. If you don't want to grow in your sanctification, and you, you know, you don't want to do something difficult because you don't want your perception of perfect sanctification to be challenged. Yeah. I'm gonna have some real concerns about your spiritual condition at that point. Yeah. That's a very di- the, bi- di- bigger questions at that point. Yeah. There's yeah. bigger questions. Yeah. Indeed. For sure. Well, this has been another episode of Westside Unscripted. Thank you all for listening in today. And if you have questions for Pastor Peter or ideas for future topics, you can send those to me at my email, josh at bibledirectionforlife.com. Or of course, you can always catch me at church. Thanks again for listening. And we hope you join us again next week for more talk about theology and culture on Westside Unscripted. Unscripted.